Welcome to the Gaining Momentum Podcast with your hosts, Abby and Megan. This is the podcast where we try our best to parent our kids for the world we want them to grow up in and the world we live in now. Welcome back to another episode of Gaining Mom Entum. We are back after our mini from last week and our first part of our parental mental health episode the week before. Meg, it's out in the world. How are you doing with it? I'm doing really good with it because I feel so much camaraderie around this topic mm-hmm. with the people in our Gaining Momentum community and just generally right now, um, I think one of the things that happens when people are really having a tough time universally, the silver lining is that we can sometimes get a little more real and Mm -hmm. get a a little better about how we talk about some of this stuff and support each other. Yeah. Total real world styles. When you stop being polite and start getting real, is that what real world used to be on MTV? (laughs) I don't know, but I love that you just made a real world reference. Well played. (laughs) Thank you. Um, How are you feeling about it? I'm feeling really good about it. Yeah. I'm happy to discuss mental health always. I feel like I need to do more of that. And so I think that was like a good primer to get me checking in with the people in my life more often. Yeah, absolutely. So let's get into it. For part two of this discussion, we're really focusing on looking at what our strategies are for self-care and um, reaching out, Uh, but we're also looking at what some of the barriers can be as we seek to find support or take care of ourselves in the ways that we need to. And we're jumping right back in, finishing off our conversation on burnout. So we hope you enjoy it and we hope you have lots to say once you get a chance to listen. thinking about like repleting <laughs> when you've experienced burnout like you've talked about how you know is it yes. like have you been able to ask for help and when you have what does that look like uh, that's been something I have been working on for a long time mm-hmm. um, because I know for my own mental well-being my own mental health that mm-hmm. asking for help is really important for me and mm-hmm. so it's sort of one of those things I have to catch myself at the right moment to be able to do it mm-hmm. so generally I do ask for help But so it's like when I notice it, then I've kind of trained myself to say something to someone right away before I have a chance to second guess myself. Because I know it's easiest for me if I catch things early and deal with it right away instead of letting it become a prolonged period. Because then I just sort of like when I suffer in silence and I really do truly start suffering and that's not good for me. And so what Mm -hmm. I do, yeah, I've trained myself that as soon as I kind of catch on to what's going on with me, then I mention it. I have like a few people specifically who I'm comfortable having those conversations with and who I kind of have like a shorthand with so that Mm -hmm. I can just be like, I'm not okay. Or like, Mm -hmm. I'm feeling burnt out or, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So it sounds like key there is like kind of building that network of Mm -hmm. support, knowing who those people are. Um, I love that you used shorthand there where it's like, you know, even in moments where we're struggling, sometimes it's, it is really hard to find the words and like articulate what it is that we need. So when we have folks that we maybe do have that shorthand with not having the words or not knowing what to say or whatever, or just feeling uncomfortable, maybe is less of a barrier Mm -hmm. within our network. Mm -hmm. And it's definitely been like a journey to getting to the point where I could ask for help because I used to think I could just figure it out all on my own, Mm -hmm. which is like, you know, a trap that we like so many people fall into. Like, I think all of us fall into it at some point, but no, (laughs) just simply no, like we can never all figure it out on our own. That's why no person's an island. I mean, it's so arrogant to think that we can also, right? right? That we can have all of the answers for all of the things. That's what I've had to reframe for myself is that the last thing I ever want to be is arrogant. And so like, I can't remember what happened or who said it, but it was like, Somebody said that to me at one time, like, it's arrogant to think that you can, that you're somehow going to be better equipped than everybody else naturally yeah, to like yeah. pull yourself through this. It was like kind of a punch in the gut, but it was also like, oh yeah, I guess that is a little arrogant. Like there is a bit of, <laughs> there is honestly, there's a little bit of ego in that. Oh, for sure. For sure. Right? To think like, oh, I'm strong or I'm fine or I'm 
able, I just need to get through this and I, I can do that alone. Um, well, that was like a barrier for me. How we were talking about in our allyship episode being a killjoy and just mm-hmm. needing to like take the term and reframe it. Totally. And so like when you are having an, uh, like a rough mental health bout, asking for help, we need to reframe is it's not a loss of ego. It should be an ego boost. For sure. There should, we, we absolutely need to reframe that as an act of courage and an act of selflessness, mm-hmm. especially as parents, because you're asking for help for yourself for sure. But also, you know, in doing that, it is an act of selflessness because it's hard work to do that work and mm-hmm. to ask for help and to have to like move through that. But it hel- it's going to serve everybody around you. Yes. Right? And then this is also where self-compassion comes into play. Shout mm-hmm. out to our friend who's doing a PhD right now and has been yeah, teaching us about self-compassion. Mm-hmm. But it's important sort of if you can look at a situation like would you let your friend suffer in silence if they were going through this same thing? And the idea Never. of being able to reframe it so that you can be kind to yourself and treat yourself the way that you would treat somebody else in your life. Definitely. Hey, can I just say thanks for being somebody that I can reach to when I'm uh, needing to be self-compassionate? You You're are welcome. definitely somebody in my in my network that's shorthand or not that's there to sort of be like, hey, what's going on? So thank you. I appreciate uh, you. You are very welcome. And right <laughs> back at you. We've definitely had some conversations about mental health just, I was going to say over the years, but yeah, I guess over the years, because we've known each other a long time, especially when I first became a parent. I, mm. yeah, I leaned on you a lot and I really appreciate you getting me through that time because it was hard because I like it's one of those things it's weird becoming a parent right because Mm -hmm. so many people have done it like I'm not reinventing (laughs) the wheel but Mm -hmm. at the same time I'd never done it so just because it was like an experience that a lot of people have had it was still it's new to me Mm -hmm. and so Mm -hmm. like I don't know what I'm doing Totally. I mean, and that like links to this thing we're talking about where it becomes a barrier to ask for help because you're like, I should be able to do this. I mm-hmm. should be fine. I should be X, Y, Z because this is like the human existence thing, right? Like everybody else has. But the reality is, no, they haven't. Everybody, nobody's okay. Everybody is has their stuff and they're struggling. You have no idea what person X has had to do to be okay. So I've had to like put a lot of like assumption making aside that everybody else is fine. Yes. And that they're figuring it out and that they're like, I, I don't know. Sometimes there's like this complex, like I'm the only one that like sits in this pit of despair. Yes. And, <laughs> and that I think- brings us back like that ties into self-compassion because totally. one of the three elements is common humanity versus isolation. Ooh. So like you're not alone. You're not going through this by yourself. And then just Mm -hmm. to quickly round that out, the other two elements of self-compassion are self-kindness instead of Mm self-judgment and using mindfulness instead of over-identification. And we will have a link to a resource if you want to learn more about that, because there is a great resource recommended by the friend who we mentioned called Mm -hmm. Self-Compassion for Parents, Nurture Your Child by Caring for Yourself. Ooh, that sounds amazing. A lot of us will find that helpful. So yeah, look for that in the resources. So there's burnout and there's responding to burnout and knowing mm-hmm. what that looks like for us. How do we identify it? Then mm-hmm. And then like, how do we um, ask for help in different mm-hmm. ways? When we are just sort of moving through our day-to-day, maybe with burnout or without, what are some of the things that you do for like daily mental health practice so that, you know, you're checking in, seeing what's going on? What's, what are the habits that you've built for yourself? Because I think that can be helpful for people too. Uh, oh, one of the ways that I kind of know where I'm at with my mental, my, my mental health, my mental health. <laughs> um, for me to know where I'm at with my mental health, mm-hmm. I kind of like, I write, I am, I'm a writer. Mm-hmm. I write. And that's one of the ways I check in with myself too, like what I'm writing. And mm-hmm. I find, I know if I'm being really prolific with my writing, then it's like either I'm in a really good headspace or I'm not in a good headspace. And then that also dictates the content of what I'm writing. So yeah, that's like one of the ways that I'm able to kind of check in with myself and see where I'm at. But then another way for me to know where I'm at with my mental health is how I'm interacting with other people. Mm. So like Mm -hmm. my capacity for kindness Mm. and my capacity for patience. And so like, you know, if I wake up in the morning and find that I'm like already like, okay, let's go, let's go, let's go. Then like, I'm like, oh, I'm having a rough time. Like I just, I need to take a minute and to kind Mm -hmm. of reframe and recenter. Mm -hmm. So it sounds like checking in is like a big part of that. Yes. And knowing what you're looking for. So a little bit similar to like, it's almost like 
burnout like thrusts itself upon you because suddenly it's or not suddenly probably but like we start to feel the impact of it and then we maybe start checking in but like Mm -hmm. when we think about like a daily practice just at any given time it's like oh if we are being proactive and we're checking in yeah and checking for like just just a little like momentary check-in with the self about Mm -hmm. like where am I at what am I feeling and then knowing what those signifiers are like you just mentioned like such tangible ones like I'm impatient I'm irritable and I say that I, I relate to those big time yeah if I feel like everything that my kids do is annoying like they're not actually that annoying like that's actually a me problem and not a them problem yes doesn't mean that I'm bad and wrong and you know there's no, self-compassion no, no, no. that not. has to accompany that but like I, my patient my patient's just like you I know if it's super limited I'm like ooh. Yeah. That's something to look at. Yeah. Cause like I've been finding myself lately just doing, oh God, sorry. I was going to say like, just like doing a lot of work on myself, which just sounds so like cliche, (laughs) but it's important, but I'm already like picturing it in a very specific context of where, you know, the wellness industry would situate that. Yeah. Are you thinking of goop right now? (laughs) Okay. Yeah. I was trying to get away with not saying goop. Sorry. I said it. I don't care. I'm calling out goop. Um, (laughs) But that is exactly where my mind went. Just Can we come back to that? We got to come back to that. I want to. No, we can cycle. Yes. for sure. Yeah. But just in terms of being able to figure out what it is that looks different for me. So like now I can kind of call myself out in a moment. Like if I'm like, Oh, I don't want to read this book again. But then I'm like, mm-hmm. do I not want to read this book again? Or am I just, cause you know, obviously sometimes you read books a million times, but mm-hmm. like, is that a million and one going to really be the difference if yesterday I read it happily like four times and was like, this is the best book ever. We should read it more. And then my Mm -hmm. son's like, cool, let's read it again. And I'm like, why are you asking me that? (laughs) Enough. (laughs) And so like, you know, I can kind of catch myself and then I'll be like, okay, so Mm -hmm. is what's going on actually what's happening that's frustrating me? Like, is this any more frustrating than I went the last time this happened? Or Mm -hmm. is it that I'm different in this moment? Mm Mm-hmm. Mm, that's so Ooh, that's juicy I need to think about that yeah is it really the thing is the thing really the thing that's yeah actually like making me feel the feel yeah exactly or is it really like there's an underlying current of something else going on yeah and it won't necessarily change my reaction but at least no. it's nice to know so that that time maybe I got like a half step ahead of it so maybe if I keep noticing I'll be able to get that full step ahead of it to mm-hmm. be able to reframe it for myself in a way that it can still be a positive interaction and that I'm not just like raining hellfire down on everybody. Yeah <laughs> and then for me when, when I'm noticing and maybe I am feeling some of that like short shortness and um, bur- some burnout symptoms I suppose is also what we're talking about. I need a break and you've talked a lot about this, like needing yes. um, time away yes. and space. Obviously there's like a lot of different things that play into that and what's available to people in their context. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody's got a different situation and, and how like easy that is, but taking a break doesn't have to be like going away for the weekend yeah. or like yeah. a full night even. Um, that can look lots of different ways. Mm-hmm. It can be like putting freaking Netflix on and knowing kids are safe and fine and find finding some space for yourself yep. one way or another. Obviously it's sweet when you can like take a nice long break if that's what you need, but I just want to be mindful of like, not everybody has the same kind of access to that kind of a break. Absolutely. And so that has to, we have to find that space in, in the context that we exist in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I've been trying to like my, for my daily sort of stuff, I'm, I'm really trying to like work on a meditation practice and that's just something that doesn't work for everybody, but. Um, as self-care or just to kind of check in with yourself to see where you're at? Kind of a check-in and then also as self-care if that's what is needed. But I find that for me, meditation is more of like a touch base. Okay. It, it allows me to be like, okay, what am I really, what's coming up? What am I really feeling? Just sort of like recent, recentering. And, okay. and being able to div- differentiate, is it the book or that's annoying me? Or is it, you know, these 15 other stress factors that yes, are, yes. and so now we need to maybe chip away at those yes. if there are things that are addressable. Yeah. And if they're not, then yeah, that's just something that maybe we need to start looking at. What, what could the possible solutions be in co- with, when complex stuff is going on? Like pandemic, for example, is something I'm thinking like, obviously like what's not, we can't just make that go away. Yeah. Unfortunately. But what are the impacts of it and how can we mitigate those impacts, I guess? Yes, that's a great question. Mm-hmm. And speaking to that, um, there's this resource that my dad actually turned me on to Ooh. called Pandemic Parenting. 
And that some of these two scientists, one Canadian, one American, who were doing research on parenting in in the pandemic. Mm -hmm. And because of the nature of the publication of scientific research, their research wouldn't be able to be published until a ways away from now. So they decided Mm -hmm. to just start kind of releasing information as they as they get it together. So they've banded together and they've created this website, Pandemic Parenting, and they are doing bi-weekly webinars Whoa. discussing different issues that parents are facing in the pandemic. So just like providing research-based yeah. uh, information and mm-hmm. just like, yeah, it's sort of like, yeah, it's like a learning forum for parents and you can submit Amazing. topics that you want to hear them talk about and it's free. And mm-hmm. after each webinar, like they're, they're all still available. So like mm-hmm. I just recently found out about it, but I can able to go back and check out other things. Oh, and that's so, amazing. Yeah. I think we'll put that in the resources because it's amazing. I was moving my finger also just because <laughs> I was saying you can go back in the catalog. I wasn't telling you to wrap it up for the record. <laughs> that's totally what I thought you were doing. And I was like, I thought it was amazing. Okay, back. <laughs> it's great. No, no. I just realized I was like, man, I forgot about the hand signal. <laughs> no, I was like, oh yeah, you could go backward. <laughs> um I'm a real uh, physical thinker. <laughs> That's amazing. What an amazing resource. I feel like we need to shout that resource from the rooftops. Yeah, like everybody check it out. It's awesome. And the fact that they're just making it free because they want everybody to be able to have access to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's huge. The other thing that I'm noticing, there's like anxiety and there's stress, but I'm, I'm wondering if people are experiencing grief during this time. Like, I think so in a way, uh, you know, for like the life that we've lost for the maybe even just like tangible stuff that we've lost. I mean, even obviously like this is a health pandemic. There's people loss also. Yeah. This well, there's so landscape. many things going on, right? Because like, yes, there's a pandemic, which is the specter that looms large over everybody. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, there's grief for people in the BIPOC community, just living this Big existence time. while being BIPOC. Mm-hmm. And then there's also grief for all the people experiencing the wildfires and the, the like devastating effects of the environmental reckoning that's going on. And so there's, mm-hmm. I think there is a lot of grief happening. Yeah. There's this great, the article that I was talking about before that Brene Brown was kind of breaking down in in their podcast talks a lot about this idea of surge capacity, which Mm -hmm. we have brought up already, which is exactly what it sounds like, right? It's this ability to respond effectively for a short period of time because you're in an emergency moment and then we reach the limits of our surge capacity and what can follow is this idea of like ambiguous grief. Mm -hmm. So it can be really concrete, like the things that you just talked about, Mm -hmm. but it can also be just like kind of ambiguous. Like it's a grief that's looming and it's sort of present in the, in the air. And I think part of it is just acknowledging and recognizing that it's there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's not in your head. No. And it's okay. Mm Mm-hmm. Like I think you that's going to be like our through line. It's okay. Whatever you are feeling is okay. Yeah. I started to actually really work with that even with anxiety. This was a helpful thing that like my therapist provided for me. It's reframing even like what anxiety is. I would get anxious that I was having anxiety. Yep. Yep. <laughs> that nice feedback loop and anxious about when it would go away and why it was there. And so even just befriending it a little bit, mm-hmm. like, oh, hey, I see you you're here, you're trying to do something for me and it's okay. It's kind of a helpful thing if, if you are anything like me and you do then start to like feedback loop because you're in it. Yeah, it can be helpful just be like, it's okay for this to be here right now. Yeah, I did a writing course where one of the exercises was writing a letter to your inner critic. Ooh. Yeah, and I that think scares that, could, me. <laughs> that could apply though, where you kind of learn to befriend each other and realize mm what you bring to each other's lives and when you need each other and when you don't. Oof, that's juicy. Yeah, and I think that could like easily apply for, you know, in moments of anxiety or when you feel like, like any situation where, you know, you're bound to be really critical, like Mm -hmm. in your parenting and just sort of, Mm. you know, talking to that person who's telling you that you're doing a bad job and just get to the real meat of what's behind that. Oh, I like that, especially when you talk about parenting and like, because I think that we tend to be critical of our, of ourselves in that department. I'm not, I don't want to speak for everyone, but I think people can be like, this can be an area that they're hypercritical of their, mm-hmm. you know, how they're managing and their skills and all that stuff. Um, yeah. Talking to that inner critic could be a really useful exercise. Yeah. Be like, where does that come from? And why is it here? And how is it ha- serving me? And how is it not serving yes. you? Yes. And like figuring out a way to close the door on them when they're not serving you well. Mm, I like that. Well, should we take a little break and we'll come right back? Yeah, I think that'd be great. 
of the episode where we take a minute to give a momentum shout out to somebody that we saw out in the world doing their best in their parenting. Abby, you saw something. That you I like did. I took my kid to a farm just as a nice little day outing. Mm-hmm. And while we were there, it was like kind of it had rained the past few days and it was really muddy and mucky and, you know, farmy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and so while we were there, we were feeding the ducks and chickens and I looked over and there was a mom with a baby in a wrap on her chest mm-hmm. and then an almost three-year-old child who was frolicking, just, you know, dancing amongst the ducks mm-hmm. as you do. As one does. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> and this mom, okay, this is what makes it a shout out to me. This mom was simultaneously tending to the baby fussing in the wrap, mm-hmm. giving the three-year-old bird seed to feed the chickens and ducks mm-hmm. and capturing the moment for posterity using her phone. Whoa. Yeah. Does she have four hands? I know, How right? Is that? <laughs> I, maybe, maybe it was the baby who had reached up and was using the phone. I'm not yeah. sure. But he's like, just give me this. I got a more steady hand. But That's yeah, incredible. like I was just impressed that she was there at all, that she was out with her two mm-hmm. kids in the world. Cause like you have two kids. I imagine that's gotta be really hard to get out the door. It's and then the grand. fact that she was doing all those other things was just like extra sauce on top of the shout out. Oh, that's, that is incredible. Nothing else has to happen that day. That's a huge success. That was a success for me. And all I did was watch it. (laughs) (laughs) Inspiring. Awesome. Okay. So we have talked a little, we've touched on this a little bit in the discussion. You know, one of the things obviously that's counter to being able to integrate like a daily mental health practice and recognize burnout, um, all these things that we've been talking about are the barriers that are there for people in terms of like being able to put mental health and wellness sort of front and center. What do you think, Abby? Like, what do you think some of the biggest barriers are for particularly for parents and people in general, but like thinking from a parent perspective in terms of like incorporating a mental health practice? Stigma. I think stigma is huge. There's a huge stigma around mental health and the idea of wellness and just sort of that you shouldn't need to mm-hmm. pause and take time for yourself as a parent, that you should mm-hmm. be there fully a hundred percent of the time, locked in, engaged all about your kid all the time and to do anything mm-hmm. else is failing. Mm, yeah. Oof, that's so loaded or that this is what you signed up for. Yes. That's such a dangerous sentiment, isn't it? Yes. It, it suggests that there's like one way to be a parent for starters. Yeah. And that mental health, like your mental health isn't mm-hmm. of importance. And just the idea that your mental health wouldn't affect your child. Yeah. That like anything just seems like such, I, it makes total sense to me that people have internalized that message, mm-hmm. but the message itself is completely bunk. Yeah. Cause so that's the other difference. Like, you know, anything we talk about in barriers, like I want to destigmatize being impacted by a barrier also. Mm-hmm. We're we're all sort of like prey to these things that operate in our world and the messages that we're unlearning about certain stuff. So if that's a, if any of these things are there as a barrier for you, there's like not shame in that mm-hmm. barrier. It's just like, let's talk about the barrier and talk about how we can debunk it a bit and also like remove it. Mm-hmm. So stigma is huge. What else do you think, Meg? I agree. Like stigma, I think is barrier numero uno and it's getting better, but it also isn't, you know, we sort of like, we're almost getting better about saying that it's okay, but like actually making it okay. Yeah. Is a whole other thing. Yeah. It's like Um, the idea of when a child is first born and whichever parent wasn't the one who biologically gave birth, mm -hmm. then the other person wants to take a parental leave. And, you know, it's like technically allowed, but frowned upon if you actually do it in a lot of places. Yeah. I mean, these are some of the systemic barriers that definitely need challenging, right? It's like, you know, what do our places of work, what do our like systems that are, are, are systems that are at play doing to increase a barrier or take it or or eliminate a barrier because regardless of the way that you came into parenthood whether it was like through adoption surrogacy Mm -hmm. fostering like there's so many different ways to become a parent but you need Mm -hmm. support and you need time and you need access for all of them and you're really just setting people up for failure to suggest that those things aren't going to be necessary Mm -hmm. that you're that you know somehow we act like that's going to be possible based on like a system of 
support that we no longer have or live in. So I'm thinking mm-hmm. about like families, how, you know, we no longer in a lot of cases have like intergenerational yeah. space sharing. And yeah. so even when it comes to like, you know, that might be a sentiment that's there from a previous era where there was a lot of opportunity to have like a built-in village. Mm-hmm. But that's just not necessarily like where we're at culturally in our norms anymore. So it's like, how do we rebuild that and also take away the stigma from asking for help, right? Mm -hmm. Um, When somebody's not there to automatically offer it or just be a part of that community of care. Yeah. Yeah, that's a big barrier. I would say there's also just like really functional logistic barriers. Like we kind of talked about earlier, like being able to take a break. Yeah you know, for some families and some parents, that's just like not an option. There's no time. There's no money. They don't have yeah. access to something that would be useful in being able to take a break. Their community's not set up for it. Their family's not set up for it. Their job, like whatever mm-hmm. the million demands are on yeah. their, on their mental space. So it's like, I wanted, I think that's an important thing to acknowledge. Barriers are not always uh, removable just based on our own will, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Sometimes. Absolutely are things that are beyond us that are creating that barrier but we can demand more of our Mm -hmm. institutions and our um, places of work Mm -hmm. and we can also think about what are like the alternative ways of finding that space or that time for me it's a nightly meditation right Mm -hmm. where it's like um, it's a it's like I get to go away in my mind Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, even if I wasn't able to actually physically get that space during the day or whatever yeah For me, one of the things I do is say, like, I'm making dinner, then I will just put in headphones and pretend that nobody's home Mm, and pretend like I'm home alone. Yeah, absolutely. But I think, like, I think it's a valid critique to say, you know, there there are these larger systems at play that advocacy and activism are also a part of this conversation in terms of demanding more from those systems and not Mm -hmm. just, like, you know, people having to equip themselves to move through systems that are oppressive or I don't know full of barriers Mm -hmm. so hopefully like as a community we can start doing better at removing barriers for people in whatever way we need to do that because like we said mental health is relevant to every single person and so it shouldn't just be that a few people have access to ways to be able to continue to enhance and improve their mental health and to stay well yeah and I think wellness can be the Mm -hmm. word wellness can be a real barrier for people well, it's what the word wellness barriers. actually means, according to the World Health mm-hmm. Organization, mental wellness is defined as a state of well-being in which the individual realizes his or her own abilities, can cope with the normal stresses of life, can work productively and fruitfully, and is able to make a contribution to his or her community. I love that. That's glorious. Yeah, that's a great that's definition, amazing. minus maybe some of the gender pronouns, but otherwise. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, but their community world health organization yes but that's not how wellness is really used these days wellness has been commodified by the quote-unquote wellness industry mm-hmm. into being more of like a status symbol for the wealthy and the privileged and as yeah. a complete lack of intersectionality and inclusivity mm-hmm. yeah and it's like it's a deterrent as a word for some people. Yes. Right. Like it, it, it incites an eye roll mm-hmm. and um, it can be like um, rep- a repellent almost um, because of like the meaning it's taken on in our culture in mm-hmm. some ways. But I think like getting back to that World Health Organization definition of what that means mm-hmm. means decommodifying it as well. Yes. Finding out how we can take the word back to being what it's really about where wellness isn't about what you're wearing while you do it. Well, wellness isn't about mm-hmm. uh, having access to some sort of retreat center. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And like, well, that's those are all like fine and good. And if that's what floats your boat, great. But wellness, mm-hmm. I think is about having options to be able to suit, to meet you where you're at. Absolutely. Yeah. And like layers, right? So like mm-hmm. it's wellness in your Sure, your mind and your body, but also like, do you have support in your day to day? Is there a community that is is that you can call on to rally around you? Um, yeah, you know, is there these other pieces that are part of wellness and not just you know like that commodified idea? That commodified idea. We've talked a lot about gender on the podcast and in our parenting. I'm just wondering about how gender, in and of itself, poses unique barriers to mental health and wellness. Well, I think gender for sure plays into the stigma too, right? Mm-hmm. Because as we have, well, as many of us may have read by now, women have been dis- disproportionately impacted by COVID-19. 
Mm -hmm. Do you want to talk a little bit about that, Meg? Well, what I'm reading, and I'm like, I won't get this verbatim, but just some of the um, discussion that's out there in the landscape, and there's been a couple of really good articles, particularly one in the New York Times, and we'll try to find it um, and put it in our resources. Just the way that like something like a pandemic really highlights divisions of labor mm -hmm. in households and mm -hmm. pulls the veil back on where where we haven't gotten to in terms of our gender equity mm -hmm. in and this is really quite a heteronormative analysis so looking yes. at families that you know are a two-parent families which mm -hmm. is certainly not the case in every context and also mostly in heterosexual partnerships so ma mm -hmm. male female um, not looking at necessarily like other diverse genders um, or other types of relationships but it is an interesting thing to to note that during this moment some of those divisions of labor that we feel like we've made gains on maybe we haven't as much as we think we have so and you're women, speaking mostly about emotional labor right emotional labor um even just in terms of like professional impacts um, mm -hmm. you know these things are probably tied but like job loss for women female identifying folks has been significantly higher and just needing to like step back or take breaks professionally and then, yeah, like managing that emo that emotional, sometimes invisible labor of a um, family is have taking its toll, I think, on mm -hmm. a lot of, particularly a lot of women. What do you think? What's your take? Oh, I fully agree that pandemic's just kind of throwing into stark relief mm -hmm. that we're not the far along towards gender equity as we would like to believe and that, you know, mm -hmm. A lot for a lot of households mm -hmm. having your kids at home all day has made one person not able to work and that person is usually the female identifying person in that relationship they're having to give up their job to take on an expanded role of emotional labor or keep mm -hmm. their job and can take on an expanded role of emotional labor within the household mm -hmm. and then that leads to all these other things that we're talking about because then that's more taxing. It takes up more of your time and then it takes up more of your headspace. And then you don't, you're just kind of experiencing a deterioration in your mental health, but an mm -hmm. inability to do anything about it because there are only so many hours in the day. And then that mm -hmm. becomes a barrier because maybe mm -hmm. you do need the help, but you're not able to reach out and access it because you're just tapped out. I feel like we're in a tornado when we're talking about it. Like the, like my like visual representation of the words is just like a tornado. Mm -hmm. And I, I think like the, all of the like nonsense that we've already unpacked in other episodes around gender and gendering and binary and all this stuff, like definitely weave in to this part of the conversation because I think there are other unique barriers for folks who are cis men or male mm -hmm. identifying in terms of like reaching out on their end. Um, yeah, there's definitely a stigma for cisgendered men in asking for help for mental health that just sort of, you know, goes into the whole toxic masculinity mm -hmm. um, and just like the idea of asking for help and not being tough enough and like mm -hmm. talking about your feelings. And I love how we both automatically mm -hmm. do that voice too. When we yeah, start talking I'm about a it. dude. <laughs> I'm a cis dude. <laughs> yeah, no, it's so true. It's so deeply ingrained in this like, kind of like it's it shows weakness right mm -hmm. and like which is like and again I, we need to take back that word because like it's not weak to ask for help it's not weak no, to oh, make sure not. that you're doing okay or looking into why maybe you're not doing okay in a moment like it's not weak mm -hmm. to be mentally strong I think like that's a really nice little segue to talk about like modeling right like we've talked about how we want to unpack gender and eliminate those sort of gendered ways of thinking with our kids and our parenting. But like we can model some of that also with how we approach mental health and how mm -hmm. we do demonstrate all parents asking for help when they need it. Talking out loud, because I think it can be a barrier for people too that like, I don't want my kids to know that I'm struggling. Right. So it's like, I, there's a real like power in actually being honest and vulnerable, even with little people in our life that like, I'm having a hard moment. Mm -hmm. and modeling like it's okay to say that and it's also okay to say I think I need a little bit of help right now I'm I'm feeling a bit off today or I mm -hmm. you know I don't feel like I can be my best self and I this is what I need and demonstrating that that's okay for everybody of every yeah. gendered persuasion yeah because you can always adapt things to be age appropriate to where your child is at you're not putting it on your child because I know some no. people think that it's like burdening your child but it's just mm. it's educating and it's sharing and it's doing something together. Totally. 
and I, and I really actually, I, I'm big on this modeling idea too. When you make something okay and normalize it, it becomes okay for your kid. Mm-hmm. And so then it becomes okay for them to talk about moments where they're struggling, to ask for help, to just verbalize what's going on with them. Just kind of, you know, figure things mm-hmm. out as they're going and then they're not sure, then talking it out and just the idea of mental health being for everybody. Like we all have mm-hmm. it. Adults totally. have it, but children have it too. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's like a kind of a nice challenge to put out there is to the re- reframe even those moments where you feel the barriers and you feel the stigma and you feel all that stuff as an opportunity to learn and grow and demonstrate that for, you know, kids in your life as well. And I'm sure we'll throw it up. We'll throw it out on our Instagram just to maybe <laughs> ask a question about what you guys are doing in your family to make mental health a family mm-hmm. affair. Well, should we talk a little bit about self-care? We should. self-care Meg what does self-care mean to you so it's interesting a few weeks ago when I was indicating to folks to our listeners that we were going to be having this conversation I threw up a a post on our story that was so you want to talk about which is a great um, account to follow with like lots of distilled information about different things but Mm -hmm. they actually did this post that was so you want to talk about self-care and it actually kind of like reorganized the way that I was thinking about self-care so that was um, helpful that it's it's actually more nuanced than just sort of one one thing or one layer. Because some of us, I think when we think about self-care, it's like, oh, go like do a basic life function that you haven't had time to do. Mm-hmm. And I think we need to sort of push ourselves beyond that. And it's mm-hmm. not, no, it's not having a shower. It's not getting yes. to clean your body and eat food. Like those are things that we should be doing to like survive and stay alive, but, uh, and be just sort of like, you know, through our day. Yeah. Um, that reminds me of this great quote, uh, a friend sent to a group mm-hmm. chat. And I think the source is, I think it must be like an Instagram account called mm-hmm. mother, like a boss. Ooh, I like that. And it's the fact that showering is marketed to moms as self-care is just another example of how even a woman's most basic needs are considered a luxury compared to every other person in her life. Wow. <laughs> yeah. That's powerful. Yeah. So that one really resonates because Showering, brushing your teeth, going to the bathroom with the door closed. (laughs) (laughs) Not self-care, people. Yeah. (laughs) We want those things for you. We do. We definitely do. But we want those to just be things that are expectations that can be met as opposed to things Mm -hmm. that you do to take care of yourself. They're not luxuries. Yes. And neither is self-care. I should reframe that too. Self-care is definitely not a luxury either. It's necessary and it's fundamental in this really challenging moment that we all find ourselves in. But this post that I, some folks might remember from the Instagram a few weeks ago, kind of broke self-care out into like different categories. And I think that's a kind of a helpful way to like, if you're a list oriented person and you need to kind of put yourself through an algorithm to be like, am I doing those (laughs) things? They talk about physical self-care, intellectual self-care, social self-care, occupational self-care, financial and emotional self-care. There's ways of sort of like looking at all of those different areas of our life that maybe contribute to our mental health and wellness. And how are we doing things to support well-being? in those areas, not as a luxury, but as a necessity, you know, for us to be okay and to be able to move forward in a healthy way. What does it mean to you? Self-care exactly to me means taking care of yourself so that you're able to thrive and not just like kind of go through each day going through the motions or in survival mode, but actually being able to be there and be present in your life. So it's just Mm -hmm. like, what are the things that you do? What are the actions that you take? to improve your own health or to preserve your mental health if you're in a good space. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It actually also makes me think of like Maslow, like hierarchy of need. Mm, Ooh, look at you thinking out. I know. Look (laughs) at me. I took one side course. (laughs) Um, No, but it is like, that's thematic a little bit, right? When we think about, when we look at, for people that are familiar with Maslow, it's like the things at the bottom of the pyramid are those like basic needs that we've been talking about, like food and shelter and clothing. And then as we move up, it's sort of other things that help us be actualized. Yes, or like actualization. Yes. I'm and so proud, so, Meg. <laughs> I know, look at me. I, 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 I did the thing. <laughs> but it also, it also lends itself to critique around like if we're not meeting, if we're not having like sort of those basic la- layers of our pyramid, which is like basic needs, safety, 
love, support, and that's all I can remember. But as we go up the hierarchy. Yeah, you rocked it. Then it's just esteem and self-actualization. Woo, I passed. (laughs) But yeah, like we can kind of think about self-care kind of in that way too, right? Like are we able to find wellness in all of those areas in order to be our kind of actualized selves? I don't know if that directly applies, but it's sort of a similar way of thinking about it in a more nuanced way. Yes, we need those things at the bottom, but we also are hoping to find those other things as we move through the pyramid. I like that. And I think a fun way to kind of round out this conversation would mm-hmm. be to talk about what we do for self-care. Ooh. <laughs> what do you do, Meg, to improve your well-being or preserve your well-being? Oh, man. I do a lot of crying. <laughs> mm-hmm. Crying can be cathartic. Yeah. I, I'm a pretty emotional person. I, I know that if I can get, like, and I, I also, maybe to the chagrin of my partner on occasion, like, I really need to talk stuff out. Mm-hmm. And so good thing we have a podcast now, but <laughs> I, I find that it's really important for me, like that social part and connecting with my village and my community mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. is essential to my self-care, even if, you know, this has been really hard during this time because of like spacing and distancing, but like, you know, virtually whatever, I need that mm-hmm. heart connection to talk things through and I need that space. Sometimes that means including like a good cry and, mm-hmm. you know, whatever that looks like. I also like you talked a lot about like your physical need, your physical well-being and need to move and all that stuff. I definitely and I really have have been having to like force myself on this one, but I know I'm going to feel so much better if I get my blood pumping and my heart and my heart pumping and breathing hard. So making that space to like get out for a hike, go Mm -hmm. for a run, go play the soccer game distanced if I can um, do some yoga like they're hard things sometimes to like snap yourself into. But for me, I'm like, oh, I'm never unhappy that I did it. No, exactly. it never makes it worse. And lately, the biggest gift has been we do have a new pet in our family. And so it's aligning with some kind of grief and changes in our life, especially mine professionally. So it's been like real therapy for me to have the dog it's like I, another and it's funny because it's like another thing to care for but it's just different like he gets me out we go for walks we go for hikes that's been big and then tv yeah tv all the time yeah. podcasts do you have Escape, like a go-to escapism. feel good Ooh. make you like yeah just something that feeds your soul in whatever w- way that looks like there are like layers to that too because there's certain things that like I'm a sucker for an episode of Queer Eye where somebody's like gets this transformative experience and it mm-hmm. brings up emotion and like I I like to process that way and that feels like self-care but also I like bad old sitcoms Mm -hmm. so like third rock from the sun and like scrubs (laughs) and stuff that's like not gonna like make me think more Mm -hmm. but is really just like escapism yes I'm like that too with old sitcoms but what I like to do is I just like to watch the series finales of old sitcoms oh you know what I heard somebody did the other day they watched like the first and the last episode of every season and then like they work their way in <laughs> which I thought was yeah. funny and weird <laughs> I because I did third rock a couple years ago I think where I was mm-hmm. like oh I don't mm-hmm. remember because I know I've seen a lot of these shows then like I don't remember how this ended so I'll just watch the finale mm-hmm. yeah why is that so comforting though to watch like tv that you've already watched like because you know familiar? what's gonna happen and so yeah. it's like something that you've sat with and enjoyed. There's not going to be any surprises, but it will still be enjoyable. Yeah, that's totally it. What about you? What are you doing? How do you take care of yourself? What's self-care um, look like? Well, I meditate for self-care, mm-hmm. but it's one of those things where I have to be careful of it because it can easily become another item on my to-do list. Mm, like for a while, I was meditating. When the pandemic first started, I was mm-hmm. meditating every single day. And Ooh, I was good for you. this is something that I'm needing every day. But then yeah. it came to the point where I was like, I want to go to bed. Oh, but I didn't meditate yet. Where it became mm-hmm. something else I needed to do. Then I had to get out of that kind mm-hmm. of loop and like yeah. just take a break. And so then just would listen to myself and be like, okay, I'm stressed out today. And then if, if my mind's like, oh, you should meditate. Then I'm like, okay, that's probably something that I need as opposed mm-hmm. to something that I have to do. And then what Mandatory. also helps is that a good friend of mine has started running meditation sessions over Zoom. So previously mm-hmm. I had been doing it with an app, but she does a nightly meditation. And so it's totally no pressure. If I'm around at that time of night, feel like I just need like a half hour mm-hmm. to just sort of refocus and get centered again then I'll do her meditation and it's awesome because then it's like a chance to quickly see my friend in the beginning and catch up and then also just let everything go for that half an hour 
I love that. That's amazing. It's great. Shout I'm out so to glad that, friend. that she does that. Yeah, she's awesome. And then I also, for my self-care, I do counseling. I nice. love counseling. Like mm. it's one of those things that I would do. I probably do it more often than I specifically need to, but mm-hmm. I just see so much value in speaking to somebody who's not a part of my everyday life. So like mm-hmm. they don't have any, I don't feel like I need to dress anything up or leave a good impression or do anything. All I need to do is just say what I'm thinking. Yeah. I forgot to say that. I seconded. I, it's one of those things I wish it was made widely, widely available and accessible to everybody because again, yep. it's like physical health. If mm-hmm. you break your arm, you get to go to the emergency room. If you are having something going on with your mental health, mm-hmm. then that should be like the mental health emergency room, but you don't have to wait for an emergency next It's just like a doctor's checkup. There you go. That's what yeah. I'm trying to get around to. That's the yeah. analogy. Yeah. It should be fundamentally part of our universal health care. Mm-hmm. Like you get to go to the doctor, you get to go to see a counselor. Sorry, American listeners or folks that are living in places that <laughs> don't have universal health care. But in our Canadian context, in a lot of cases, people have to like pay for that outside of, you know, what's offered through like MSB or like a care plan. Mm-hmm. That's not okay. We should have access. Everybody should have access to that. It Everybody shouldn't be should. elite because it's life changing. Like it really is like the, the kind of tools that are available. And you're so right. It's about like that impartial person that is doesn't have a dog in your fight and is just there to help you build your skills. Yeah. And just like sort through your thoughts even. Totally. Yeah. Sometimes I get there too. And I'm like, and by get there, I mean on my zoom call (laughs) and I'm like, I don't even know. I don't really know where to talk about. I don't know where to start today. Like, I don't even know. And just like folks that are great at this are great at it. Like they'll Mm -hmm. just find a way of like, Oh, I didn't even know I needed to talk about that, but clearly I did. Sometimes I'll think that I'm going to be talking about one thing. So I'll come into my little plan I want to talk about mm-hmm. and just really end up somewhere else. I'm gaining insight into myself. I'm gaining insight, in, insight, insight. Mm-hmm. I was like, sorry, I got a whiff of incense and then I got distracted. Uh-huh. Away, but <laughs> Another self-care. <laughs> I'm gaining like, you know, insight into myself, insight into different things I've experienced in my life and being mm-hmm. able to like recontextualize them in a way that's allowing me to have skills to move forward and just sort of enjoy my life more. And also just mm-hmm. helping me as a parent too. Just oh, helping me to be able to like gain more skills into my parenting toolbox so that I'm better equipped to help my child with his emotional and physical and mental needs. And so, I don't know, I just can't say enough good things about it. Well, half the time I feel like I'm there for parent training. Like I already mentioned, that's sort of what got me through the door to begin with, but mm-hmm. I can't say enough good stuff about accessing if that's available to you. And we're going to put up some resources that are possibilities. If you don't have a clinical person in your life and you're looking for that, there are some resources out there like that are mostly online and um, accessible. And you know, a lot of the stuff is fee for service, but more affordable even. Mm-hmm. So there are places that do like sliding scales where you pay what you can afford. And don't let the word clinical be a deterrent either. Sorry. Really, yeah. It's just, it's just, it can just be talking. For sure. Like there's so many different means and modes of counseling, psychology, uh, psychiatry. There's just, you know, basically you can find anything that you need to suit what you're going through totally. or what you want and what you need. So I have reframed clinical as like a positive thing in my world, but mm-hmm. you're absolutely right. That word could be a barrier. And sometimes my person just leads me through meditation mm-hmm. and I'm like, oh, that was nice. I enjoyed that. <laughs> yeah. This is like a whole other podcast now. We're like doing yeah. the why we love counseling pod. <laughs> <laughs> it's part of this conversation for sure, but maybe we should wrap it there. <laughs> yeah. Well, I had a couple other things that I do for self Oh yeah. I write. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's just journaling. Sometimes it's just setting a timer and just like writing for 20 minutes with no aim. You'd be amazed at the things that come out when you're not thinking about it. Mm. And then um, like you may get yeah, exercising, going for long walks or listening to a podcast, or I find doing a 30 minute really intense workout that just takes me out of my head so that I just kind of, I'm focused on something else so that I don't have time to get lost in my own thoughts. Mm. I find like that helps me a lot. And then really ridiculous TV that I can zone out to TV and movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, crossword puzzles, I'm a big word game fan. Can I ask what the most ridiculous thing is that you're watching these days? <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't watch, well, ridiculous is a very subjective term, I would like to say. <laughs> but the last show that I binge watched was a show on Netflix called Sweet Magnolias. There it is. <laughs> I know, you're leading me there, and I've said it. And I'm fine <laughs> with it, okay? For some reason, I'm a big fan of Joanna Garcia Swisher. And I will follow her anywhere, which is like a super random person to be a fan of, but whatever. 
there it is. I love it. I love and it. Then, I just wanted it to make okay, make it okay for anybody to just <laughs> take the medium that does it for them. And then to bring it back to our person of admiration, Gabrielle Union. Mm. So I, as we know, like I really love movies. I really love TV. I really love pop culture. So one of the things that I do at night, if my mind's really racing and I can't fall asleep and I just need to quiet my mind, Mm -hmm. I play this game that I call Six Degrees of Gabrielle Union. (laughs) And so it's like the Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon game where you pick two famous people and try to figure out how they're related to each other, like through the different roles they've done. But for Mm -hmm. me, I do Six Degrees of Gabrielle Union. So it starts with her and then just whatever famous person pops into my head next. And then I try to link them by project. And generally, like, it's six degrees of Gabrielle Union, but I usually challenge myself to get it down to four. Ooh, this is like Abby's counting sheep. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, 100%. And it (laughs) works every time. Like, my mind just gets quieted, and I just, like, am easily able to fall asleep. Mm. There's something that she's providing without even realizing it. But on that note, we would love to know what you guys do for self-care, and we'd love to know your thoughts and your feelings on everything that we've discussed. So please, I know we say this all the time, but it's because we like hearing from you. Mm-hmm. get in touch. We're on Instagram. We're on email. We're on the yeah. pod. <laughs> we want to hear from you. And we really mean it when we say we're really trying to create community here. So it's really meaningful, important to us to hear from folks in our community and broaden that conversation. With that, happy Mental Health Awareness Month, guys. And now it's time that we pause for momentum. Self-care. Walk it off. The anxiety, the guilt, the doubt. Meditate. To push pause. To focus. To refresh. Talk it out. For compassion. For empathy. For sanity. Be still. Just for a moment. Just for self-preservation. Just for you. Be okay. With not being okay. With not being perfect. With asking for help. Accept. Kindness. Love. Yourself. If you like what you just heard, please subscribe to our podcast wherever you find podcasts. Gaining Momentum is written, produced, and edited by Abby and Megan. With music by Evan Dysart. And podcast art by Catherine Katja. And a special thank you to our podcast mentor, Belle, from the podcast Thirst World Problems. Thanks, Belle. Thanks, Belle. And if you want to find any more info on any of their work, please check out the links in our podcast description.